Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Bum, 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 bum. Joining me from Gotham City, from, uh, what is it, Gotham Square Garden? It is, yes. It's Aaron Alvarado. Aaron, how are you doing? Feeling pretty good, man. I'm feeling pretty good that I don't live in Gotham City at this moment. Yeah. That does place Gotham is City, sketchy. I mean, does it feel like not a fun time there? Or? Sketchy. Uh, did you know that, so we have, uh, I live in Burbank now, and so we have three AMC theaters within walking distance of each other. <clears throat> the main one is the AMC 16 uh, Burbank, and that's like, you know, basically, that's the main hub. They do screenings there and all this stuff, mm. but in the... Uh, at the bottom of the uh, staircase, there is a giant Batman statue. It's at least eight feet tall. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, for Which real. Which Batman yeah. are we talking about? It is Batman from, ooh, I would say Batman Begins. Okay. No, I don't Christian know which Bale. Batman it is. It's the Christian yeah, Bale bronze. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be better if it was Bruce Wayne. So it's just a dude, it's like a businessman. It's just mm-hmm. a businessman. It looks like it could be a monument to like a Wall Street banker, but it's it's actually yeah. Bruce Wayne or something like that. That's no, it's what a I different want. rich kid. It's a different <laughs> rich kid than that. <laughs> oh man, I am ready to launch into this conversation. Absolutely. I, I'm hoping that this podcast won't be um, three hours long. Um, We're doing like a four-hour cut of this podcast. <laughs> but we do have a lot to cover, and I want to launch into it. And there's so many things to go over. A reminder to anyone listening: we are going to spoil. The Gotta Batman. do it. Okay, we're gonna spoil it. all kinds of plot points. Uh, we're gonna spoil characters. We're gonna spoil scenes. We're gonna spoil everything. So if you haven't seen it, or yeah, and you care about spoilers, uh, stop listening. Come back after you've seen it. Uh, everyone should be seeing this. So go watch it. Go watch the movie. Go watch the movie. Aaron and I have watched it twice. I've seen it twice. Twice. I've, this is Sunday of six, opening weekend. Six hours of my life have been devoted to watching the Batman. The Batman. Yep, the Battenson, as they're calling him. Uh, so I, just a little bit of precursor here. I, I want to know kind of where you're at in the Batman headspace going into this. We've had a lot of Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our lifetime, we have seen Michael Keaton don the cape, right? Yeah. I grew up with that uh, from Batman 1989 to Batman Returns. Then we got, of course, the Val Kilmer Batman, which I remember very specifically getting taken out of school, out of Oak Chain Elementary early, so mm-hmm. so we could go see a matinee and, and save on tickets. Save that Literally money. My parents, this is how much my parents are movie-loving people. They, they, they would prefer that I get pulled out of my education so mm-hmm. they could save a few bucks on the ticket <laughs> to see Batman, uh, Batman Forever, which... As a child, of course, I thought, like, does it get better than this? Um, it, like, this that was the best Batman could possibly be. It didn't possibly get better be. than that. I mean, it was incredible. That was, that was the Batman of my youth, by far. I mean, you had my the, the guy from Dumb and Dumber as the Riddler. You had Tommy that was Lee peak, Jones. That was peak Jim Carrey at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. That was $20 million Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. You got Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face. Yep. You got Val Kilmer. The guy from Top Gun, the guy guy from Real Genius as mm-hmm. Batman. Like, it was exciting. Uh, Joel Schumacher directing that. 
And then I was just old enough when I saw the next Batman film, Batman and Robin, to realize something was amiss. <laughs> Did not care for that one whatsoever. And then uh, we got the reboot. Um, this was, gosh, it was like, was I, were, you were working in the movie theaters when the Christopher mm -hmm. Nolan reboot happened? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I think I was just right on my way out. Um, you, we got, you were retiring from the game at that I was point. I, I had to get out of the game, yeah. You were hanging up your... Uh, the game was about to get me, so I... Yeah. <laughs> it was time to go. Uh, but that was 2005, uh, yeah. Batman Begins by Christopher Nolan. Uh, and then uh, I do remember when you introduced me to Christopher Nolan by sliding a bootleg copy of Memento oh, yeah. uh, across the counter to me, I remember you telling me not just how good that movie was and how that movie was going to change the way I viewed cinema, but that the guy who directed it was uh, had been picked to make the new Batman. And so that was a lot of how I was viewing Memento for the first time was like, the guy who made this movie is about to make Batman? Like, that was so exciting to me. And then Batman Begins, for me personally, is probably my favorite Batman movie going into this. Um, I mean, The Dark Knight, of course, is... is Probably more, the more clubhouse leader, right? I mean, yeah, most people would yeah. say The Dark Knight's the masterpiece. Yes. Uh, of course, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it, okay. it's hard. I'm not going to, you know, nitpick with The Dark Knight, even though I feel like the third act is a mess. Um, it doesn't matter because the, the, I, the performances, the iconic imagery going on, the whole opening sequence with the yes. banks. I mean, yeah. it's just tremendous stuff. It's a great movie. Uh, and then Dark Knight Rises, for, for me, it was a just completely fell apart and uh was i like that one actually what's that to be fair i liked it i like you, you like dark knight rises yeah, yeah for me yeah. I, I i really disliked it so um then we got batfleck he mm -hmm. never got his own movie but we got him in batman v superman and the and the avengers yee uh justice <laughs> league <laughs> and justice league snyder cut so i guess three yes. um Okay, so you going in here, I want to know, who was, what was your favorite Batman movie? Who was your favorite Batman? Yeah, I think, so, like you said, growing up, it was absolutely Val Kilmer. Uh, he was mm. my favorite Batman, and he, that was my favorite Batman movie by far. Uh, I watched that movie on VHS oh, at least 100 times. Could quote every line. Loved Jim Carrey. I was, I mean, he was probably my favorite actor at that time. Oh, yeah. And to see him pulling off the Riddler was, I mean, that was magnificent because he was, he was so over the top and so funny and just bigger than life. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, that, that movie itself is like, it feels silly going yeah. back and looking at it now. It's oh, yeah. pretty silly. Oh, yeah. Um, but I loved it. I, I thought as a kid, like, that's the type of movie a kid should enjoy. It's really, yes. uh, really have fun with and, and that was the point of that movie I guess and and to that to that end it, oh, yeah. uh, it succeeded so you know I mean I was never the biggest Batman fan I was just like a casual enjoyer of the bat um, I liked <laughs> the Tim Burton ones I remember uh, again I watched probably I probably watched Batman Returns more than the original Batman oh really um, I, okay. oh man I, I loved Danny DeVito's Penguin. Wow. I absolutely, I thought he was amazing. Okay. Um, and of course, yeah, just so I love, I like those movies too. But again, I wasn't like a huge bat nerd by any means. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, Nolan comes out and and to lend some credibility to, uh, back to the inject some credibility into the character and kind of bring it like grounded in the real world. Supposedly, that was the that was the goal of of the new trilogy. Um, and I enjoyed those. Fine, they're they're okay. You know, oh, okay. Um, yeah, 
I wasn't the biggest fan. I mean, I've seen I've seen them all a, a few times now at this point, but I would never go back and say I need to watch this movie um, to experience it again. The Nolan Batman's? Yeah. I was, oh wow. Okay. So yeah, I watched the first I'm, two so many times, and I do revisit them. Uh, I can't revisit the Dark Knight Rises, but I, I revisit the first two, and it's like, dang. Like, yeah. I mean, Nolan's cooking in those movies. He's doing he really movies. is, obviously. Like you said, that first 15 minutes or so of a Dark Knight Rises, yeah. especially. Or Dark Knight. Dark Knight, yeah. Dark, Dark Knight, exactly. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark the first Knight, yes. Dark Knight Rises, I feel a little different right now. Yeah. <laughs> as well as the, the remaining 2.30 on that yes, one. Yes, that's right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's a long movie. It's a long movie, folks. Uh, no, so again, like Nolan, hell of a filmmaker, yeah. incredible expertise. Um you know, he, he did his job, for sure. Um, obviously, there were huge box office successes and critically acclaimed and great performances and all that. But again, I was never I never felt connected to those movies in any meaningful way other than, you know, I liked watching them occasionally. Um, and of course, Heath Ledger was amazing in, in his performance of the Joker and, and uh, even Christian Bale. He was great, uh, despite the gravelly voice. <clears throat> so going into this one, and, and you know what? I also liked Ben Affleck as Batman. In, in, yeah, I think most in those people movies. did. Yeah. I, like I don't. There's not a lot of hate. I don't know if people are picking him as his favorite, but like most yeah. people thought, like for that older kind of beaten down, weathered yes. Batman, like he, yes. he and he filled the suit well. Yeah, I mean it was believable. It, yeah, yeah. He he gave some uh, credence to you know Batman being like physically imposing and just right. like you could see him just you know mowing through uh, a room filled with henchmen. Uh, yes. More than even like you know Christian Bale, who like he transformed his body for that role. He looked awesome. He looked yeah. good in the suit. And, but just Affleck as a, as a human being is just larger, um, and he has like more stature. Anyway, regardless, I wanted to see him get his own Batman movie, um, and it didn't happen because all this you know all this stuff that happened behind the scenes and and whatever just didn't happen. Um, so coming into this, the Batman. Uh, I was a little disappointed, a little, a little, uh, just concerned that maybe they were um, a little bit lost, lost in their way. Because again, they were going one direction with Affleck and it didn't work out. So they're kind of like they scrapped the entire project, handed the keys over to Matt Reeves. They cast Pattinson as Batman, who I, I'm a huge fan of. I think we've talked about it a million times. Oh, we yeah. love Robert Pattinson. Oh yeah. Um, so I think really. When, when I heard that he was going to star as Batman, I think that really, like, perked my ears up and said, oh, okay, this could be interesting. This could... I, I potentially really like where this is headed. Uh, if I can't get Ben Affleck, heck, give me uh, Robert Pattinson. Um, and then, you know, when the trailer dropped, super excited. Yeah. I only watched the trailer one time just because I didn't want to spoil anything. And upon watching the movie, you do realize they give a, kind of a lot away in oh, the trailer. Oh, boy, do they. Now, not necessarily give it away as much as just, like, show you, uh, show like, you key much. elements. <laughs> yeah, they show you too much. Yeah. yeah they don't give away any plot points that are crucial. Yeah. It's more of, like, when you know certain scenes are in the trailer and you haven't, it's been, you know, two and a half hours in and you haven't yes. seen it yet, you yep. know that it's coming. That's a problem. You know it's going. You, yeah. yeah, you know yeah. it's coming because, again, it was in the trailer. Um, I understand they got to sell the movie and that's, yeah. you know, that's their job. Do you, though? Do you, though? No, I don't. Okay. I hate that they do it. Do, I yeah. really, do you really have to sell the Batman it. to the American public, to the world? Do you have to you, sell the Batman? That's a different be, kind of question there. But I it, really, it sure like, is. They didn't have to cut a trailer to this movie at all, truthfully. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that is, uh, that's actually the correct take. Now, 
you do have the issue of again Matt Reeves taking over. Yeah. Semi unproven. I I'm a huge oh. fan of his work. I think the guy is he's actually an incredible director. I love yeah. his work. However, he doesn't have the longest resume. If you go yeah, back and look, he's only he's only directed I think maybe five features, yeah. maybe six total. Yes. So you're handing the keys of a billion, multi-billion dollar franchise to a guy that only has like six features under his belt. Right. Um, again, super talented, great He's filmmaker. He's a Spielberg acolyte though, right? Him and J.J. Spiel- Abrams, best friends exactly. growing up. That's Spielberg right. Spielberg took him under their wings. I mean, yep. these are, even though he's, he has only a handful of features, you're right, this is a man that is... Um, and- I mean, his TV resume is incredible. I mean, he's he's co-created with J.J. Abrams. He's directed a lot of TV. And so he obviously super talented. Um, but, you know, again, this is not TV. This is Batman. This is yeah. this is the an A-tier character I mean, this on is the not biggest TV. stage. This is literally HBO because it's going to be on HBO next month. <laughs> it, yeah. sure yeah. it sure is. It sure is. And I'll be watching it again once it's on HBO. Oh, of course. I hope, I, I hope we get a black and white version just like the Snyder Cut. Gosh. <laughs> Oh, I would watch it. I would watch it immediately, <laughs> dude. I don't even. I mean, oh. So yeah. So as stuff comes out, we hear that Pattinson's is playing Batman. We hear yeah. Colin Farrell's gonna be in um, John yeah. Turturro, and oh, we hear all the cast, and it's just like, oh man, this could be something different, and this this could be like right up my alley. Trailer drops, looks incredible. Yes. I only watch it once because I don't want to spoil anything, and then we get to opening night. And I've avoided like all interviews. I've avoided any any stuff that could potentially spoil. You know, I did hear, I did read about a lot of the Paul Dano stuff, like the method stuff he was doing leading up to the, the production. In like insane, the, the man is just he's a nut. Yep. Um, but yeah, just to see it play out, I my hopes were, uh, I would say my expectations were pretty high, to be mm. quite honest. And despite those high expectations. I left the theater like with a huge smile on my face. I felt like the Joker uh, with the permanent grin on my face leaving that theater because I was so entertained. I just I thought like it hit all these elements. It it made you feel. It made me feel as the viewer like, whoa, this is the reason I go to the movies because uh, we're getting the story that is larger than life, but also feels like maybe this could be. You know, maybe this could happen in real life. So it really helps you to suspend disbelief when it's kind of grounded in something that is like, like maybe it could wor- work in real life. Um, so I think that just adds to uh, the enjoyment factor for me personally. So just overall, like you have just when the movie lets out, I'm thinking incredible direction, incredible performances, um, cinematography, beautiful, beautifully shot movie. Um, the writing so strong. The editing, incredible. Again, the score, phenomenal. So all these elements hitting A, 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 A+, plus, A+, plus, A+. Plus. And then, like, um, as the movie lets out, I just think, like, maybe it, it's a case of recency bias where you feel like, maybe I just love this thing because it was so near. I just watched it yesterday or whatever. And I'm thinking, man, did, did I really love this movie or is it just because I saw it recently and, yeah. and I'm in that, like, high, right? And so I watched it again on Sunday. Uh, I just got out a couple hours ago. And man, I would say second viewing is better than the first viewing. Because, specifically, you, you have the ability to look for more nuance. You have the ability to look for more details. You, because you know it's already coming, you're, um, you can now like scan, scan the, um, the room, essentially, and look for more like smaller stuff. You don't have to focus on the story. You can look on the like the specifically what I will look for in this in this viewing was like 
the performances of the background characters really stood out for me on this on this time around. Interesting. Now whether now whether it's them reacting to like the Batman being in the scene or like reacting to Bruce Wayne or reacting to like whatever's happening, I just thought, man, these even the background actors were killing it on this uh, this production. So really, just ultimately, this movie was a ten out of ten for me. I couldn't wow. li- I couldn't like it anymore. Um, wow. For a comic book movie, I don't think that there's ever going to be a comic book movie that I like more than this. Whoa! That that is where I'm at with this one. After so, not just the best Batman movie. It's the best Batman movie. It is the best Batman. It's the best Bruce Wayne. Oh! Um, It's the best comic book movie that I've ever seen. Wow! uh, By far. Whoa! Uh, Yeah, it's just it is everything that I hoped for. It's everything that I wanted out of out of this movie, and I couldn't be happier that they executed it on that level. So. Wow! Not to hype it up too much, but uh, Woo! no, it, that's it's, great. It's my, yeah, it's that's incredible. Great. Uh, so I'm with you on this point. It's the best Batman movie. Uh, people, so I saw like an early like this fan screening of it, you know. So like I saw it a few days before the general public, and in those few days, a lot of people asked me, you know, my thoughts on it, and I was like hesitant to give them, partly mm-hmm. because of the same reason that you talked about recency bias, because yep. I came out of that movie being like. I know Dark Knight is the one everyone refers to as the best. This is a better movie than Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. It true, it is. It's a better movie. Yeah, I think um, so. And it, it's not perfect. I, I have a handful of issues with it, and I will mm-hmm. go over those. But I, I, I'll wait to go over those because there's so many things that this movie did right, and way more things it did right than wrong. Uh, but I walked out thinking it's better than Dark Knight. I think I like it better than Batman Begins. I wasn't sure, uh, but I saw it a second time. Um, uh, on Friday. And so I'd seen on Tuesday, then I saw it on Friday, and man, it is... That second viewing for me was everything. It sealed my, okay, this is the best Batman movie. It it is. It just is. And uh, I shouldn't feel weird to say that, uh, or sheepish. It shouldn't be a controversial take, because I know how beloved The Dark Knight is, how beloved those performances are, how beloved Nolan is, and all that's deserved. But this is just a better Batman movie. Um despite it's you know 90 minutes too long but that's i mean from for a single movie at least uh i i felt like i watched two to three movies in one because i, I could see that one of my qualms is that it's too long but i feel that way about any movie that goes over like a two-hour runtime unless it's like you know i guess lord of the rings or something but mm-hmm. and maybe this is just me getting older and not wanting to be in movie theaters longer than two hours um but like it was too long um but it's never dull uh, the, it was. It's packed with so much in there Incredibly that I dense. felt like you could probably cut this thing up. There's a Catwoman movie in here. Mm-hmm. There's a just a Batman detective uh, noir in here. They just that. There's element. a mob movie. The, There's a mob movie. Mob. The, the Riddler's all mm-hmm. his whole thing is a movie in a, even without Batman. Uh, like there's a lot in here, uh, yeah. a ton. But let me. I, I want to go over everything in a little more detail here about what we loved. I will say, oh man, this movie gets me from the jump. Yep. When the score starts, Aaron, and it's this operatic singing, and then the screen fills with the Batman. And Batman, of course, fills the entire massive, in my case, it was the IMAX, Esquire IMAX, shout out, uh, to downtown Sacramento, massive screen, the Batman across, as there's this operatic kind of an, an orchestral music playing. And then it cuts to what looks like binoculars. Now, um, 
it feels very rear windowy in a way. Mm-hmm. It feels very Hitchcockian. I, I hesitate to. I don't want to call anything that looks out of a window a Hitchcock film, but there is element. There's, it's sprinkled in there, little bits here and there that felt very Hitchcockian to me, and I think the beginning is that. Um, and I'm I'm watching this, the first of what will be many murders by the Riddler, um, and I'm just like blown away from the jump. Then we get the intro. Now, this is the interesting thing here is we go in to this movie, and I am I have some desires here. One of them is I don't want to see Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot in an alleyway. <laughs> I don't want to see pearls. I don't want to mm-hmm. see anything about any flashbacks to that. We have seen the Waynes die over and over and over again. We get it, okay? We've seen Uncle Ben die over and over. And over. We get it, okay? <laughs> We don't need that. I don't need to know why he's afraid of bats. I don't need that, you know, it's just, and so I thought the first 15 to 20 minutes were brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get this monologue, this voiceover by Pattinson, where he's describing, you see like the big bat signal and the, the, the raindrops are, are hitting it. You see it in the sky and he's describing fear and how that the symbol isn't just a call for help, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sign for criminals to be afraid. Now, we've kind of heard that motif, I guess, in, in Batman lore before, but the camera does this thing. We see these sequences with the criminals, and they look towards the shadows. They look towards the behind the dark columns. They look, and the and the camera sits there. This is Greg Frazier, the cinematographer. Unbelievable job. He just did Dune. Uh, I mean, this guy did uh, Zero Dark Thirty, which, say what you will about that movie, it's shot incredibly. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is excellent uh, behind the camera. And it's zooming in on these dark spaces in Gotham, and you feel... This impend something's coming out. As an audience, you feel it. Much less the criminal who's afraid of getting caught, right? If you're guilty of something, you know, you're technically, t- uh, typically paranoid of getting caught. And in those moments, you feel that paranoia of the Batman because they see the signal, they see the shadows, and they're like, oh, he's coming, you know? And that was such an effective opener. And it does that for a few different scenes until we get to the subway where we see the Batman come in for the first time, which was just an incredible <laughs> intro on the subway it even ends with the victim looking at the batman saying please don't hurt me and you realize how much like he's not understood by the public he's not viewed as a hero he's also a freak and a weirdo and the guy says please don't hurt me he doesn't say anything to him by the way he doesn't say oh mm-hmm. no you you misunderstood i'm the good guy i saved you i would never hurt an innocent person like he doesn't even he doesn't say a word to the dude he lets him be afraid and then he looks up and sees the bat signal in the sky and then it cuts to him visiting the murder scene that we just had witnessed in the beginning and another thing i love he comes in with commissioner gordon we don't get the backstory of how they met how gordon came to trust him all we see is no other cops trust him it's just gordon and i love that it's like good we don't need we know that they have a partnership here there's a friendship that's been developed or at least a trust and, uh, and and I love that we don't have to go into the background on that. We know we we're, we come and ride in with that. It's just Gordon has his back. No other cop in the city does. Um, that whole intro, him walking into the murder scene, everything about the murder scene, I, I like. I really tried hard to manage my expectations going in because there had been rumblings about how this was Seven or Zodiac meets Batman, and the idea of Fincher doing a Batman movie is like, I mean, that's like a, would be a dream come true. And I realized, you know what, like, this is that. This is as close as we'll get to that. I don't, I don't need a Fincher Batman, not anymore. Uh, I, I think we probably got what was better than what would a Fincher would do, mm-hmm. honestly, if he, if he were to do a Batman movie now. Uh, and I felt like it absolutely stayed true to that idea of being, you know, 
uh, it was unique, but it, but it definitely had those seven Zodiac vibes. Uh, and it was like, we're, we are off to the races with the Riddler and his plan. And I loved it. I loved that so much. That was, I was just like, buckle up this thing. This is, we're in for a real yeah. ride. You, you couldn't get a stronger start than that. I, and I don't, I don't think, and I think that's a testament to the writing. That's a testament to everything that is involved in filmmaking. Like that is on full display in that like first, like 20 minute chunk. I think it's more like 20 minutes, but basically oh, yeah. from the, like you said, the murder of the Riddler, uh, when he murders the mayor to, to that subway scene, to the first investigation. It's like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is like, this is it. And that's, that's what I was thinking when it was happening. It's like, oh my, this is it. This is it. This is what I've wanted. I wanted like a, a grounded adult Batman. Oh yeah. And you know, and we were always told we needed like a rated R Batman. And this is, this movie, isn't this movie PG-13? It's yeah. not even rated R? It's a R? Okay. hard PG-13. Incredibly hard. But yeah, it's generous to call PG-13. But, yeah. But again, like, and you know we're gonna talk about how like you you already mentioned like this is a no, this movie is definitely homage to, to uh, like you said Hitchcock and and uh, Fincher and oh, basically yeah. anyone that's made a uh, and I think even the and Matt Reeves even mentioned how uh, how the Riddler is like um, is connected to Hannibal Lecter so oh. you have Jonathan Demi that's an, uh, an homage to De- or Demi's work so and I think. As we get further away from this movie, I think one of the big critiques is going to be that it is too close to a movie like Zodiac yes. or Seven. Yes. And I think it, I think it's gonna the critique is gonna be that it's derivative of those movies, because you do see like it's almost beat for beat on some of this stuff, especially yes. with like the cipher. And oh, yeah. Personally, I don't care that don't movie, care those either. movies were uh, twenty five to twenty years ago. Right. Like there's we and in that in that twenty year span since those movies came out, we haven't had anything like it. Yeah, no. So it's like it's a perfect application of that tone and style to the material. That's what it is. It's not derivative in my mind. And and so what Reeves is doing is he's introducing a whole generation of film goers, younger people, to those older movies. And this is like an akin to like if we were watching movies in the nineties and and the director made a reference to a movie in the seventies. Like we didn't grow up in that time. We never watched those movies, and we were young, young moviegoers. And uh, week to week, this is our first experience with that. So hopefully, what's going to happen is these these seventeen um, year old kids now they're going to watch this Batman movie and say, "Wow, that's that's interesting." Now, now let me look up the movie Seven because I've never seen it before. Um, mm. It's just not applicable to me. Let me go watch Zodiac because again, it it has I have no reference to that movie because it came twenty years before me, right? Or more like five years before me, but sure. whatever. Um, it's before my time, yep. and so I think, and I think that that's going to be the big critique moving forward. But I don't care. Like it's so good, it's so, it's so like um, directly inspired by that. Uh, I just love the work, and I think it's incredible. It's, it, incredible. it's the perfect start. Perfect start to the movie. So here's what's unique about the second viewing for me is that opening sequence was incredible the first time. But now having kind of consumed the entirety of it and revisiting the second time, one thing that really stood out to me is, you know, we understand this this plot point, the Riddler's plan, which was I have marked down as one of the strengths of this film is the Riddler's plan, which we should talk about a little bit. Genius. I mean, it's incredible. incredible. On the second viewing, you realize how like airtight it is. Like, yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, everything, like, oh, maybe I will just go into it. The, not just the riddles being interesting and fun, but, like, what he's going after yep. is kind of a righteous cause. His his actions about how he's going about it is not, obviously, right. but 
what where his anger is coming from is is very legit mm-hmm. so uh so the opening sequence that of course i had not paid attention to this little detail and it doesn't feel little in, in on the second viewing but when the riddler hits the mayor over the head with the tool Greg Frazier with the cinematography is sitting on the ground of this kind of palatial penthouse, you know, in a high rise. The tool bounces, comes into focus on the ground, and the camera sits on it. And you see the tool that he just used to knock the guy over the head and kill him. Or, you know, almost kill whatever. He eventually died. But it's staring at the tool. Now, this is a film that we understand to be kind of this, this class uprising like these people, the the have-nots going after the people that mm-hmm. are, well, in this case, corrupt people in positions of power. Um, he's going after this corruption. These people that have been totally forgotten. Um, there's, you know, there's a, lo- a lot of themes of economic uh, inequality and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we learn later what that tool is. And we learn later towards the end of the film one of the big clues, which at first I wondered if it was too convenient, but when <laughs> in the third act. Batman goes back to the Riddler's apartment to figure out what he's talking about in terms of this grand plan. And this cop, working class cop, who references his working class carpenter uncle, is like, oh, that's a, you know, that that's a carpet remover tool, you know, or whatever. At, my, at, first, gl- at first, I was thinking, oh, well, I mean, Batman's lucky that guy was there. Because if he wasn't, um, like, wait, what, is he ever figuring this out? You know, probably not. But then I realized it's like, of course, this working class cop from a working class background has to tell this billionaire kid mm-hmm. who's never touched a tool in his life, like at least mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, he would. I mean, of course, he doesn't know what it is. He has yeah. to be guided by the people who understand the, you know, like that are not in these penthouse high rises living yes. these luxurious lifestyles. And so yeah. when you see this in the very beginning, the Riddler hits this this corrupt billionaire or millionaire whatever mayor over the head with this tool that is a symbol of the working class it's quite literally this uprising this kind of here I, we, this is the start of the uprising this is the working class coming again you know after this mm-hmm. person of influence and power and money with this tool that's very symbolic of that of that working class which was like you know not what i was thinking of when i was first watching it but the way it hangs on that tool of course it's like oh i see what you're doing uh, yeah, it's not subtle, and, you know, but it's great. Oh, it's it is great. And, and again, um, on that second viewing, I did think about that too because, uh, especially when when Batman goes back to um, look for more more clues, more details, and I'm thinking like, boy, originally when I saw, it, I was like, boy, he sure did get lucky that that, that cop was there. But <laughs> yeah. as I think about it more, it's like, of course, Batman would go back and look for more clues, including f- looking up what that tool was. Yeah. That, that Dan or that the Riddler used to kill the mayor. So that of course he was going to look up to to investigate further into what that yes. tool was exactly because he didn't know what it was. So it. yes, well he did get lucky that the cop was there. It was basically he was going to find out anyway. He was going to Google it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He w- he would have. Well, he would have used his uh, his uh, Google Alfred Glass uh, his oh. Google Glass um, yeah. uh, <laughs> contact lenses to figure out what it was. <laughs> I was going to say Alfred is like his Siri, but I guess Alfred was was uh, in the hospital you, at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. Alfred was laid up at that moment. So. <laughs> um, Okay, let's talk about other things I loved about this. The cast, okay, top to yeah. bottom here. Yeah, we have any? We we're like thirty minutes in here. We haven't mentioned yeah. Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> yeah, that's... I wish she is the Catwoman here. She's got there's a legacy here, right? You've got uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. uh, Anne Hathaway. I forgot. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah. yeah, Halle Berry. Uh, Halle Berry, right? Yeah, yeah. So, how did Zoe Kravitz? 
pull off Selena Kyle for you? I thought she was great. I mean, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is like the Catwoman that I most associate, right. or she's the actress that I most associate with right. Catwoman. Of course. But I think Zoe made it her own. I mean, she made right. the character her own, and uh, she nailed the part. And, and, you know, I've heard criticism that, like, Batman and Catwoman didn't feel like they necessarily connected, which I thought was, that's invalid. Really? I think that they did. Yeah, I love. A lot of people thought, talking about the the chemistry being palpable between those two. Yeah, and which is crazy to me because like from some of the because I did look up criticisms of those movies because you know yeah. I want to hear the alts I want to hear what people are saying that don't agree with me. Um, I like to burst my bubble um, oh. when it comes to movies, not when it comes to politics, no, but yeah, only when it comes to movies. In that bubble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so one of the things that I've heard is like people do they don't necessarily love uh, Zoe Kravitz and. Uh, Pattinson together on screen. I thought that was crazy because I thought they're incredible together. Interesting. I thought they they really connected and and I and I loved that. I loved that that aspect of it. I thought she was. I, what I really appreciated was again the writing gave her something gave her a full arc. Yeah. In this story. Yes. Like you said, this this is basically a full Catwoman movie that yes. we get. In oh yes. This. I was not. Um, she has. That. No, I wasn't either. She gets a ton of screen time and she's amazing in what she does in that with that uh, screen time so um, I celebrate her work in, in this film in this picture and uh, I hope we see more of her I mean yeah why not she was awesome well after the ending it's interesting to see where they're going to go with that I mean sure. I, could, I, met, I very well could see the sequel not having her in it uh, definitely yep but, but we'll see but top to bottom here man it's so Colin Farrell as Penguin, which apparently they're doing an HBO Max series on yeah. that character. I welcome it. I look forward to it. I thought he was tremendous. Mm-hmm. I mean, big Colin Farrell fan anyway. A lot of prosthetics there. Um, he was funny. He was really funny in that. He was very in funny. Yep. Uh, and he got away with some stuff. I feel like him openly firing his weapon on police <laughs> and uh, not getting jailed for doing so. Sure, was, sure. Yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. Um, we are getting some comments here. Rhett uh, commenting in here on the Batman Catwoman uh, chemistry. He quote, I agree, Rhett. Good I think call. Batman and Catwoman's relationship made more sense in this movie rather than in other movies, where Catwoman basically uses her womanly wiles to seduce Batman. That's right. Uh, I totally agree. I do. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with. So they kiss twice in this movie. Um, the second time, I'm uh, Batman was unconscious and unable to give consent. Of some okay. concerns about that, but okay. He just looking at his eyes, he wanted it. Like his it. eyes that were rolled back into his head because he wasn't like <laughs> conscious. I mean, um, he was begging for it. Let's be honest. I don't think he minded. So I guess it doesn't no, matter, but uh, it was a not. little bit weird. Um, was that before he injected the secret of the ooze into his leg and got that? That power was, up? yeah, was that, that was right before. It was right that before. Was right before. Okay, yeah. Okay. That's I wasn't what sure if his power was place. derived from the kiss like a Sleeping Beauty type of thing, or if it was from the Mountain Dew code green that he put in his leg. What was that? I, I mean, We'll I, never know. We'll never know what that was. I love how it's like, huh? I like that he had a little hole on his leg that injected in, but, but there was a part of it that's like, I mean, I guess, yeah, sure. A sure. Shot? Exactly. What is he doing? I don't know. So here's the thing. If we're going to believe that he can take multiple machine gun shots yeah. Yeah, yeah, directly yeah. to his armor and yeah. not die, then we have to believe that there's secret illusions that can be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it is the Bane juice. He's right. Yeah, that's it right. is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he took a shotgun blast to the chest. It looked like, right? Or was oh it? yes, he took yeah. a shotgun blast to the to the chest. Um, multiple uh, machine gun fire directly, directly at him. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, if, so if he can survive that, <laughs> right. he can survive the Bane juice. Um, all right, back back to the cast though. Paul Dano as mm-hmm. the Riddler. 
Excellent. I, I mean, I'm, I'm here for all the... I haven't read... I didn't read anything about Paul Dano beforehand, I, but I, I'm aware of his reputation, and I'm like, oh, man. I'm sure there's going to be a million articles about all the over-the-top things that he did for... And already I'm seeing it. Like, some mm-hmm. of the clips of him um, doing, like, the videos or whatever where he's explaining... He, it, one of them apparently took 200 takes. He just wanted to keep Jesus. doing it over and over and over. Yeah. Um, he's known as... I don't, know, I don't know if he's known as being method, but certainly... Uh, excessive I've, yeah he's basically like a new method where yeah, he's just yeah. like he he totally inhibits the character in his personal right. life and and um so the one thing he wouldn't he refused to do was actually uh lay carpet because <laughs> he is a rich boy and he'll never touch a carpet carpet no no the hand of God like, what is this what do you want me to yeah. do with this uh, <laughs> so uh john turturro is uh carmine yeah, falcone yeah. I like how they, they went back on the pronunciation. No more Falcone. Se- several times they changed it. In Falcone. the movie, they do it. Yeah, you, know who's, know. Who's the most, you know who's most guilty? is uh, Who's that? Is uh, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gor- uh, yeah. Detective Gordon. Yeah. He does Falcone. He almost says Falcone several times, and I noticed this. Yeah. He wanted to say it so bad. He did. Uh, he yeah. absolutely did. Uh, it's really hard not to. Even I mean, I'll say Falcone, and I'll be like, yes. no, it's Falcone. What are we doing? It's Falcon. Um, it's, can, it's Falcon. It's Falcon. What are we, do- what are well, we talking about? Well, it's Falcon, about? right? It's, it's the rat with wings or whatever it was. Yeah, um, yeah. So John John Turturro, I'm always happy to see him. He's great. He's also, awesome. right now he's in this, if anyone has Apple TV+, Plus, uh, tremendous series right now called Severance starring Adam Scott. John uh, John Turturro has a, a role in that, um, uh, something of a side character. But, he, I mean, I love seeing him in Severance and then seeing him in that movie, I'm like, man, I, He's doing great work. Always. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less from John Turturro, but yeah. he's great here. I, I love, I mean, they changed some things here with the, like, his relationship to the Catwoman. I'm like, oh, I don't think that's canon. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think that's canon um, yeah, in terms of the parentage. But I, I love that the movie, I mean, I, I'm all for movies adapting and changing things from the source material if it makes sense. And I felt like that was a good emotional mm-hmm. beat. It made sense. But the whole, like, pull, take the rat into the light thing was, like, genius. Oh <laughs> like, gosh. that whole so, sequence the on the second, especially the second go, I'm like, this Man. is, Riddler's got so some good, good stuff. Like, good yeah. material. Like, yeah. Like, we need to be honest. The Riddler was several steps ahead of Batman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, he, yeah. And he points that out at the end. He says, I thought you were a lot smarter than that. Yeah, he was and like, he's what? right. He's right. The Riddler is was well ahead of him. Um, Can I say that sequence with him, the, the Riddler talking to Batman? Like we've seen this before with superhero movies, especially the Batman, where the bad guy is like, "You're just like me," you know, like you're yeah. a freak like me, and it's like, yes, they, yes, you know, yes. they try to do that as some sort of like it's psychological game. Yes. In this movie, it's the most I've ever believed it. When he was like, "You and I are the same," and, and it's like, "Okay, we've heard them." You know, they, yeah. they always say this to them to get into yes. his head. But the way he delivered it, and the logic behind it, and the facts of the movie that you just watched, you're like, "Yeah, actually, he's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a freak." Like, yeah, Bruce Wayne's a freak. Um, anyways, I, I just thought Paul Dano was was excellent. Uh, yeah, no, that's such a great point because, you know, a million times we're a million times again. This is a trope that's happened in several comic book movies, especially where the bad guy, the villain, is like the mirror image of the hero. Right. And that isn't the case in this because um, the Riddler is not the mirror image. He's right. a clone of Batman. Yes. Like, he yes. is just like a tweaked version of Batman that just went a little bit further over the edge. An orphan that didn't He's, have money. Exactly. That was the he's difference. that didn't have money. He had a little more trauma in his background. Um, he didn't have any of the advantages that Batman had. 
where he was most different from Batman was um, the Riddler, he wanted the spotlight. He wanted all the attention on him, whereas Batman obviously lives in isolation. He didn't want any of that stuff uh, once his parents are dead. So it's like uh, the Riddler grew up envious of Batman's position, obviously, and the money and all that stuff. But when it, it, when it comes down to the meaning of the two, you see that the Riddler's smarter than him. Um, oh, yeah. He had... He, he, his his skill set was just... I thought he was almost overpowered. And it's, it's we're almost lucky that he wanted to get caught because he could he could have still been out there pulling the stuff off if he didn't allow himself to get caught in that diner. So we're, the citizens of Gotham are lucky that the Riddler only wanted to pull off that one, one final job. <laughs> yeah. The saying the citizens of Gotham are lucky is an interesting statement. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so elsewhere we have um, oh I was gonna oh, the other thing about his monologue it's <laughs> like uh, it's so dark when he's telling him about what it was like to be in that orphanage yes and the rats biting off the fingers and then he's like and then every winter one of the babies dies I I expected Batman to be like whoa whoa, whoa easy wow oh, easy buddy okay. yeah whoa <laughs> okay <laughs> it was dark enough man like whoa that's bad. Um, but anyway, uh, other people. Andy Serkis as Alfred. This is the least amount of Alfred I think I've seen. I guess Jeremy yeah. Irons isn't really yeah. very much, but th- but that wasn't really a Batman movie. But like of the actual Batman movies, this is the least Alfred's been used. Mm-hmm. And I will say, mild criticism here, if we're going to sideline Alfred this much, then he should have died in that blast. I, I kind of agree with that. Okay. I think that... If he dies in that blast, obviously it serves a different purpose because yes. now Batman is, you know, maybe if he dies in the blast and Batman just doesn't care anymore and, and he goes off the deep end and we don't have a movie. But sure. because Alfred lives, now he feels like there's a reason worth fighting and like basically teaches him this life lesson that, you know, there's uh, there's more to life than just getting vengeance and all that stuff, whatever. Well, he needed but, to have the conversation with him about his dad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Of course. Right. Um which that conversation, man, I was not expecting that whatsoever to take that turn about uh, Thomas Wayne having yeah. a hit, hit, uh, having a, a newspaper reporter killed. Amazing. Yeah, on, on a fake news brilliant. Journalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was so good. To protect his so wife good. from that, yes. yeah. something that would be personally very embarrassing, embarrassing I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. but to have someone murdered over that is. Well, kind of, that's the I whole mean, thing, right? Is whether or not he thought Falcone would do it. Um, I mean, he did, or else of he wouldn't have. Of course, that's yes. the, you don't hire a mobster to take care of yeah. someone if you don't expect that death is on the table. Scare him, he said. Scare, scare him. Scare him, <laughs> right, right. And then he couldn't live yeah. with the fact that he or did put, do that, and he made yeah, that choice. Yeah, no, but I think he said Fal- Falcone says, uh, "Put the fear of God in him." Is what yeah, the yeah. Instructions were yeah. so, or something like that. Something like something that. to that effect. Um, yeah. We already talked about Jeffrey Wright. Uh, it last on my list in terms of the cast, Peter Sarsgaard, who's. I, just a little bit part in this is Colson the DA. He's wonderful. And his mm-hmm. little part, he's, you know, you get him intoxicated doing those little drops, whatever those were, the drop ships, mm-hmm. or uh, what do they call them? Drop heads. <laughs> drop heads. Uh, drop yeah, outs. drop heads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I, love, I love new drug terminology, so I welcome that. Um, anyway, we got him intoxicated. Then we got him freaked out uh, for his life and that whole... Uh, oh, gosh. I, gosh, freaking going back to the Riddler. Love his use of tech. Him coming man. through on FaceTime taped to the hand is like, this oh, is good, man. Brilliant. It's great stuff. Um, so I love all of that. Uh, but he was really, really, really good mm-hmm. uh, in his little part. And I just love that. I love when you can get great actors like that. 
Um, he's not like an A-lister, but he's. I always like to see him. He's got um, the skills of an A-lister. I yeah, think he, he just make. He's just more about like the art than yes. uh, the commerce end of it. So right. But he's always he's always great in whatever he's in. So. So just killer cast. Now, let's talk about Pattinson. Now, I think he's the best Batman in the suit. Um, I, I saw my buddy. I saw it with disagreed. Felt like he wasn't tall enough wasn't big enough in the suit had concerns there i did i liked him in the suit i think the jawline was perfect his eyes mm -hmm. his mm -hmm. eyes do a lot in this movie both literally yes, with yes, the contact do. lens tech which i think was awesome I, I i appreciated that they didn't do like the bond tech like morgan freeman was the cue you know to the batman nolan batman films yeah. and that was fine it was fun because you get like the tumbler and all these cool all this cool tech here it's like he does have some tech for sure but it's not over the top. They introduced one really new thing with those eyes, and it was perfect because it played into the detective thing. The fact he's always looking at things, he goes back and watches the tape to pick up on clues. I thought that was great. So cool. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, and there was a little bit of tech on, on, on his car, the Batmobile. Oh, yeah. Uh, or whatever that was. Did you like the Batmobile? So... I loved it. Uh, I loved absolutely it. Absolutely loved it. Like so much. <laughs> that scene I had that written down was one of the things to talk about. That car chase scene oh, was phenomenal. Everything about yeah. it was incredible. Loved it. That loved was my it, favorite scene. This favorite scene in the movie is the reveal of the Batmobile, where they go straight up Christine, uh, the movie Christine. Like that is a direct oh, yeah. homage to that. One hundred percent. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful. It's be oh, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. And then, and then the car chase itself phenomenal it's like it's a flawless car chase what i really loved about it in the second viewing was you know you're aware that this car chase is happening at night um like everything does in this movie happens at night but just to like to see um to consider how much harder it would be to chase someone down in the middle of the night and in pouring rain it's torrential rain um it just gives you appreciation for like what they were what they were pulling off in this um this whole oh, sequence, yeah. this car chase sequence. I mean, it's it's incredible sequence. It's it's one of the best car chases I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, so. it's great. And the focus on Colin Farrell's like looking in the rearview mirror constantly, mm -hmm. the him trying to maneuver, like putting us more in his viewpoint where the car yes. became Christine, like you said, like yeah, was yeah. chasing I mean, him down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Possessed. It's like a demon possessed car. Yeah. So. And cool. then it. Oh gosh. So uh, another thing I want to talk about here is these iconic shots. They're like Greg Frazier, the cinematography is so outstanding in this film. I can't even, I cannot sing his praises enough, but there are so many moments in this film that I'm like, well, that's an iconic shot. I feel like we're going to be seeing and revisiting and talking about. And one of them is through the window of Colin Farrell, the penguins upside down car, the fire going off from the crash, the Batmobile and the slow walking Batman with the cape kind of flowing <laughs> behind him is incredible. And then you have uh, Michael Giacano's scored the bomb, yep. bomb, bomb, bomb. You know, it's just like, whoa. Like, this is, wow. This is why you go to the movies. Oh like, that gosh. scene specifically, yeah. that sequence, that is why you go to the movies. Oh. You see an incredible high-speed car chase, the way it culminates. Um, the, like you said, the image, the imagery, the score, all mixed together. Uh, the fire in the background. <laughs> like, oh, God, it's so, so good. It's Incredibly amazing. enjoyable. And, and yeah. it's, honestly, for me, it's, it's made all the more a little bit more amazing because the, in the next cut is them taking the penguin for questioning. Mm -hmm. For the penguin to quickly point out how they don't know their Spanish. They're at their laws and their L's. In the <laughs> very, film. very funny. Very funny. They funny don't have scene. their conjugations down, Aaron. This is, come on, Batman. That bi like billions of dollars, where's your education? How are you not bilingual? Um, <laughs> Come on. 
My um, theater had a big laugh at that one. Oh, it was sure. a good one. U R L. I love it. Anyway, um, the L rat, everything about did, it. Oh, uh, did you catch the end of that um, that scene where where they leave the Riddler? Uh, excuse me, the Penguin. Yeah. Um, where he's uh, his hands and feet are bound. And he's yeah. doing a penguin walk. He's doing a penguin he's, walk. He's oh, yeah. doing a penguin he's walk. He's like, come on, don't there. leave me here. And he starts yep. waddling out. I'm he like, does oh, a penguin I see you, walk. Matt Reeves. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> nice little bit of business there. Very good. Um, back to Pattinson now. On the point of the cast. Absolutely. Yes. I mentioned he is my favorite Batman. I think he is brooding beyond belief. Yeah. Now, Ben Affleck certainly did that too. All of them have brooded. Uh, yeah. That's that's part. I mean, you have to brood if you're Batman. I think he did a really, really good job. I will say I am less uh, impressed with his Bruce Wayne. Now, and it's not because he has the sad panda and emo hair. Like after, like I actually like that they show the kind of the smoky eye mm-hmm. makeup because all of them have it. Yes, when you see them in exactly. the suit, but you never see them with never. it afterwards because of, I understand why it would make him mm-hmm. look a little silly. Mm-hmm. But I appreciated that they did it. Um, the, one of the first scenes of seeing him as Bruce Wayne. Well, we see him with that makeup, and then we see him in the, the morning wearing those sunglasses and this big baggy black short sleeve T-shirt, and his arms look really skinny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, okay, so Robert didn't work out before this movie. I see. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting choice. Um, we see later he has his shirt off in a couple scenes, and it's like he's got more muscle, but like lean muscle. This is yeah. not a this is not a muscular dude. But he looked no. better later on. I was like, okay, you know, not that I'm gonna like, I'm not gonna body shame him too much, but I don't know that we didn't really get the the duality of characters there. Which I will say, I'm glad we don't need it. But his Bruce Wayne's not different than his Batman, really. But we don't get the suave Bruce Wayne. We don't get any of that stuff. And you know what? I think that's why this movie is called The Batman. It is a lot of Batman and very little Bruce Wayne. So even though I actually think he wasn't great as Bruce Wayne. I think it's fine because the amount of Bruce Wayne that's in this movie is not very much. It's only sprinkled in, and really the most effective use of Bruce Wayne is when he goes as Bruce to talk to Carmine Falcone to talk about his father. He had to do that as Bruce, of course, um, not as Batman, and that was fine. It was never distracting. I just don't. I just wouldn't call him the best Bruce Wayne by any stretch in my mind. But that doesn't really matter. It yeah, doesn't. and I think you know uh, the Riddler says it in in, uh, in their meetup at the end. Um, there is no Bruce Wayne. There's only Batman, and, yeah. and this is like you wearing the mask. That is that. That's who you are. You're not Bruce Wayne. I think that's perfect. That's a perfect explanation. And um, like you said, he's he's uh, he's pretty emo as Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. but I think that serves the character. Again, he's a young Batman. This is this is he's only been doing it for two years. They say that in the very beginning. He's only been doing it for two years. Um, he's still finding his way. And I think physically he's not there yet. Right. Um, I think later on he's going to understand that he, he's going to have to get bigger and physically stronger to, to be Batman. Um, and we see it. And, and this is important. We see his physical limitations uh, manifest themselves when he's doing the hand-to-hand combat throughout oh, yeah. the movie. Um, this is not the, the martial arts god that every other Batman that we've ever seen in movies is portrayed as. The ba- basically the best hand-to-hand combat fighter right. in the world. Right. That's what we're told Batman is. Um, and that's not what the Batman is in this movie. He's obviously very skilled. Yes. He's had a lot of training. But he, th- these guys get the best of him several times. You know, And that, again, in a real-world environment, 
there's nobody, you're not going to beat off, ten, or yeah, uh, poor choice of words there, but you're not going to win a fight against 10 other guys. Sure. Um, even if you're Batman, even if you're a freak in a costume. Um, so, so yeah. And so I think that's a good representation. The ski, he is a skinny guy. He's slender. Um, so yeah, as he gets older, he's going to have to get more muscular just to physically p- play the part as Batman. Um, but, yes. But yeah, I can see where, where your objections come in as Bruce Wayne because... You know he's very one note, and he I think very um, yeah. if you listen to uh, Reeves, Matt Reeves, talk about his what his uh, what he envisioned for Bruce Wayne, this specific Bruce Wayne, was Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain right. is what he said. I mean, the trailer was cut um, to Nirvana. I mean, exactly. And, yeah. and the, there's this Nirvana song that's featured in the movie, played uh, I think twice in the beginning yes. and then the end. Um, so yeah, it's again uh, reluctant. He's reluctantly in the spotlight, like a Kurt Cobain. Uh, wealthy by Kurt Cobain, um, just doesn't want the attention. Uh, isolated, uh, dep- quite honestly, depressed. Um, oh yeah. And you know, like you could say that Bruce Wayne slash Batman has death wish. He he really does. Yes. I mean, ev- to go out every single night, never use a gun, and make that pledge. Like I'm only going. I'm going to take on the worst people in this entire city, and just use my hands and. The tools that I fashion in my uh, in uh, my subway, which is not the Batcave, it's a subway now. Um, which I kind of like that change. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so the, the, what's interesting about that is I actually listened to an interview with Matt Reese where he talks about that choice. I don't know if you saw that same interview with I, him. I, I read a quote. I didn't, oh, I didn't okay. actually see. We well, talked about how like he wanted the Gotham Manor to not be this like mansion out in the countryside, like mm-hmm. outside of the city or outside of Man- you know, Gotham or Manhattan in this case, let's so just call it Manhattan. Yep. But he wanted it to be like this old, like a Gothic style high rise building. And he had read about how like some of those like America's kind of not founding families, but like the Rockefellers yeah. or whatever, like that they actually had private transit lines underground to their building or to their mm-hmm. residencies like a part of the subway that only they could access. And so we had this idea of like, oh, what if we had, you know, the Waynes, this founding family of Gotham, they had one of those private transit lines, but it's long been out of use and shut off. And now it's mm-hmm. been repurposed. I mean, it's filled with bats now because it's been dormant for, you know, decades. Mm-hmm. And then he repurposes that as the Batcave, which I think is genius. It's really like, good. That's a it's really, really good, good way of having this like urban Batcave, you know, in this, in this metropolitan area. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, really, really and, and, and uh, to further the point about how isolated Bruce Wayne is, the, the character of Bruce Wayne, I mean, he lives in essentially what's literally an ivory tower, like you said, in the middle of the oh, city, yeah. looking down on all his, all his subjects. And that's, again, the Riddler kind of says that at the end when they meet up. Um, and it's true. I mean, to, to sit on a throne on top of this uh, kingdom that's falling apart, and that's, and that's a point that I want to make. This portrayal of Gotham, Gotham City specifically, was I think the best portrayal of Gotham City because it, it, yes. it felt it felt so burned out, so dilapidated, um, so on edge of just being completely uh, run over to the to to the dark side, um, and then so unequal. Like you can see, like the tremendous wealth versus what the rest of these people are living in, which is like essentially just squalor, um, and, and you can almost understand why you would have the desire to be uh, like a Batman type of character, uh, uh, someone that's a vigilante trying to um, make an impact on this world, that you, your family is responsible <laughs> in a way of um, further like 
uh, widening that gap between the have-nots and the haves. So. Well, it's that duality of being the Waynes being a fa- a founding family of Gotham, mm-hmm. but also someone that contributed to to its mass inequality, right? Yeah. So there, we hear that word a lot in the film, this idea of legacy. He says quite literally, Bruce says like this, the work I'm doing is my family's legacy. Like, yeah. and she's like, you know, so I, and he's pushed on philanthropy by the, the mayoral, mayoral candidate. Yeah. Uh, but like I, your family used to be all into philanthropy. As far as I can tell, you haven't done any. And it, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. You know, it's like, oh, she doesn't realize he's the Batman, but mm-hmm. he's concerned about his family's legacy, partly because there's a responsibility that like this city is something his family started. It's near and dear to him, but also he knows that his family's responsible maybe for some of what's going wrong. And you're right about Gotham. This is the best portrayal ever of Gotham. Uh, partly because Gotham was portrayed very unevenly in the Nolan films. That's actually one of the things that really bothered me is how different Gotham even looks from Batman Begins to Dark Knight to Dark Knight Rises. Yes. It's, like a we- yeah. it's like three different cities. But here it was really dark. It was a mess. You feel the inequality and the guts to end this film with that city in complete disarray was even more like it. We start the movie with it being like, oh, my gosh, this city has problems. I would understand why Catwoman would want to flee, you know, but to to Bruce, it's like, no, this city is my family's legacy and cleaning up this city and helping the citizens being a beacon of hope as he just realizes is what his his calling should be rather than vengeance. Um, that's the big yeah. lesson he learns across this, right? That, that line from one of the, the terrorist, domestic terrorist characters that says, I'm vengeance. And he realizes like, oh, I'm not like you. You're not like me. I don't want to be you. Right. Uh, I need to be a beacon right. of hope. Um, anyway, so I, I love that it was already really bad. And then at the end of them, they end this movie with Gotham in such a complete mess. And there's going to be a lot of mildew and a lot of water issues for years to come. <laughs> FEMA has a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean. When, he woo. says the National Guard is on their way. Are they? <laughs> to what? They? To to what? Pepper spray the civilians? I mean, like, what, what are they going to do? I mean, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. National Guard's on their way. They're going to arrive. The National Guard's going to arrive and be like, nah, nope. Can't get in there. No, sorry. thanks. <laughs> what are we going to do? Come in on boats? Anyway. Um, but yeah, Gotham as a character is, oh man, it felt real. And I yeah, like that they had, you know, even though it was a little hokey, like the Gotham Square Garden, you know, mm-hmm. I am concerned about the, you know, the Gotham City Knicks and where they're going to play their home <laughs> games next season. But, you know, we'll figure that out in the sequel. But um, anyway, the, yeah, this, the cinematography with the city, with everything was great. Um, gosh, there's so many iconic shots. The red flare in the water as he's mm-hmm. leading the people like he's Moses. That's you know, exactly right. When I you mean, said the beacon, like, yeah, it's him being the beacon of light, yeah, yeah, him being the beacon of light, he like he literally lights a flare, literally lights and then a they, flare. They follow but him. That image yeah. when I talked about the iconic yeah. images, the car chase being That's one it. of them when he's walking, you know, that other one is him leading the people with this flare through the water. There's yeah. oh man, that is steeped in all kinds of symbolism. Yeah. Um, I even loved some shots of like when he grapple does the grappling hook out of the police station. Yes. When uh, he has to get out and does the, you know, punches Gordon and gets out of there. The mounted shots like totally still on his face as he's looking up and coming out and the guys are firing up at him. And it's yeah. just an excellently framed shot. It yeah, really yeah. stuck out to me both times. Loved that. To and me, then, those like those shots like harken back to the original Bat- the Tim Burton Batman. Exactly. That one felt Tim Burton. And those. then him coming yes. through the glass of the ceiling was yeah. I viewed as an homage to Tim Burton. Had um, to be. And I, I, that, that was such a cool shot. Too. So let's like, talk about that. Because that was moment. the real... 
I got goosebumps even yeah. more so on the second time seeing it, uh, as I was kind of taking more information. And that reveal, that just that you're waiting for the the shoe to drop, right? Batman has to come in and save the day in some way. When he comes, someone's got to stop it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not going to be the Gotham City Police, but he oh, comes no. through the the glass uh, that glass ceiling and lands on those rafters and just starts going to town on these dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. Like that sequence was wonderful, excellent, excellently executed, totally believable. Um, and it's in contrast to a moment earlier that I was actually concerned about and I, about being hokey, but ended up being perfect. And that's when, after he grappling hooks out of the police station, he's on that high rise and he looks down and he's like, all right, we're going to do the squirrel suit, uh, you know, mm-hmm. flying cape. And I'm like, oh boy, uh, this, is, this is where it becomes a little bit more marvel you know? And he jumps out and starts flying and I'm like, okay. Then he launches the little parachute, it gets hit, it caught on the bridge, and it fl- flings him around, and that yeah. dude gets wrecked. Yeah, he sure does. Wrecked. <laughs> we are not used to seeing it. To, I mean, we've seen uh, superheroes get hurt, but like that one, I was in the moment like that, I really thought they were going for the soaring, like, you know, here comes the Batman, you know. He lands safely. Yeah, yeah, and it was perfect. It was like, no, this isn't that Batman movie. This isn't that Batman movie. So I actually appreciated that. But there was that, and then of course, like I said, that, that end scene of him coming through the window or through the ceiling, and then uh, so and then good. just just going after it. The anger, the realizing mm-hmm. what's going on, the water's pouring in, everything. I mean, he, you can feel it. The dude is, you know, he's ready to roll. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, what else do we have here? The well, the Riddler's plan. We talked about it a little bit already. Anything else you want to touch on there about his plan and I, how I mean, well so it can the- do? The plan is just ingeniously written. Basically, it's it's a mixture of like almost it's almost seven ish again with the uh, with the clues that's left behind after his murders, and then you have the ciphers, which is of course Zodiac. But then you have the added element of him using techno- modern technology. So he's live streaming. He's he's doing like time drops, um, and he's cultivated an online like. Uh, online henchmen essentially that follow him uh, using social media um, and we know from from modern times you can you can find like-minded radicalized people online mm. pretty easily <laughs> unfortunately it's pretty it's pretty easy um, so it's not hard to believe that it he was would totally find. believable that's yeah. the thing honestly before like the last few years I don't know th- those types of plot points were hard for me to buy in like other movies where it's like Wait, how did they really radicalize some of these sure. citizens to go yeah, yeah, on yeah. with this insane plan? It's like, well, oh, the Joker. This, happen- this happened. Talking about the Joker. Yeah, movie. the Joker. Yeah, right. Here it's believable, especially it since sure like is. their grievances are kind of understood. Yeah, uh, I buy it. I love it. I, I, when it cut to his live stream, I was fully expecting him to say, "Please like and subscribe," and I was okay <laughs> with it. Um, oh, oh, Rhett literally. That's what just, that's Rhett says. Oh my gosh, look at that! That's oh, perfect. Wow, a little symbiosis <laughs> now in the pod. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being honest, I would get on the pod, sus- Rhett. Um, I would have subscribed to his YouTube stream. Oh, for sure. well, I mean, the contents—it's at yeah. least interesting. Um, yes, but he seemed genuinely grateful for the community, and that well, it was it was interesting seeing that from a villain. It was like this guy's been alone his whole life. This yes. guy's had all his, all this trauma, and he's yes. genuinely grateful for these people that understand his plight who can feel the same way he feels understands it resonate and then now they're willing to take up arms for that cause it's like oh this is january 6th um yeah you know it's just but being on like 8chan this encrypted you know um this dark web 
mm-hmm. platform uh, that needed a password. All that stuff is like, yeah, uh, that's real life. That happens. We this know it's real. real. Yeah. yeah, we know it's real. Yeah, so. we absolutely know it's real. So it's, that, I think, le- lends credence to um, his game plan again, his 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 master genius plan, um, the way it's executed. I, I just think... I mean, it couldn't have been um, portrayed better in this movie, I don't think. Uh, I mean, the thumb drive was a good bit, if we're being honest. Oh, this is, again, funny. funny. I mean, it I mean, was, it's morbid. It morbid. It's definitely morbid, but it's yeah. funny. Yeah, very funny. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Oh, but all of it, man, it came together. Like, the clues. Now, there are moments where it's a little bit like, okay, wow, Batman was lucky that he at least hit that button and found the next card. Or that he, yeah. like, there's several moments. But that's 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 the type of stuff I'm definitely willing to suspend any level of disbelief. He would have gotten around eventually. Someone would have discovered the clues and whatnot. Uh, in fact, I actually do like this, this part where he realizes... When he gets the clue that he needs to go to the orphanage and he goes there with uh, Gordon and he sees the projector playing the stuff of his father or whatever and he realizes Bruce Wayne's the next target and he races yeah. home to tell Alfred and he's on the phone and he gets on the phone with a woman in the residence and she says, you know, and we're, we're getting these cuts of Alfred opening the package as he's trying to call and it makes it seem like this is happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And then he gets on the phone. And she goes, you know, something bad already did happen. And it happened an hour that. ago. I was like, I perfect. Love I love it. Oh, my gosh. I love so much that because in real life, it doesn't happen that way. You discover what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And then you're calling in this happening at the exact same time. It's like, that's movies. We suspend our disbelief for that. But in reality, it would have happened an hour earlier or a couple hours earlier. And I love that he's too late by a long shot, really. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't close, really, really close to saving the day <laughs> no. there. And so Mm-mm. I that touch was like it meant a lot to me because it was like, OK, I love it. And I love that you can edit it that way. So it feels like it's happening. And then you learn like, oh, no, it just, that had happened in the past. There was no shot. Uh, love that. Uh, I so good. That and great. I love the touch of um, like the Riddler, the character uh, being a part of the um, the renewal. Uh, orphanage. Renewal is a lie. The, yeah. Renewal is a lie. Um, the Wayne Foundation Orphanage um, just. I just also I draw there's parallels to be drawn between like the um, the Joker movie and I think this Batman even though they're not connected um, because again we know the Joker uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker his his character um, suffered in part because there was no funding for uh, his his medication like he oh yeah was literally he re- literally couldn't afford to get care for his uh, sickness his mental sickness. And again, we have this a similar problem with um, this Riddler character, where there's no money for this orphanage, and even though you had a billionaire step in and create this uh, wealth fund, um, there still wasn't money for it. So, yeah, I just think it's uh, those are the parallels. I, I don't think we have any high schoolers that listen to this podcast, but if you're a senior in high school right now and you need a good yearbook quote, you know, you get that yearbook quote: "Renewal is a lie." That's the one. <laughs> I, I, I badly want to see that. I want to see like a screenshot on Reddit from someone's senior yearbook quote that just says renewal is a lie. <laughs> um, I have one more issue uh, to go over uh, and it's, it's a very minor one. And I, I just think it should have been cut from the movie entirely. It's only a couple minutes and it's at the very end when we, I, I wonder if we needed to revisit the Riddler back in prison. Um, and I know that studios want to, dangle the carrot for the next film by introducing the next villain. We've already seen this millions of times before, mm-hmm. but even in Batman, we saw at the end of Batman Begins that card of the Joker or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, you know, it's like Joker's going to be next. Mm-hmm. Well, here we have the Joker in the stall next to the Riddler, and it was 
look, it was distracting. One Batman franchise has a they have a Joker problem. They have a yes. real Joker problem. Yeah. We just got this massive Joker movie that was a massive box office phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Won another Oscar for this character, you know. And then we had to we had to suffer through Jared Leto doing Joker. Um and then because everyone thought Heath Ledger was the pinnacle. I'm realizing and call this a hot take if you want. Is Joker the easiest role to take on in Hollywood? <laughs> is it? It just feels it's, like this. Any actor can sink their teeth in this act. You're a crazy guy. You know, mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. and not to take anything away from Heath's uh, portrayal of it. He, he made it his own and it was very unique at the time. We'd never seen a Joker like that. And it was very different from Jack Nicholson's which was also all very different from Joaquin Phoenix, and I can appreciate that. But really, I just feel like it's not a difficult role. It's just your own brand of crazy that you attach to it and with a little bit of makeup. And well, so now so, we have another actor. Mm-hmm. Like, were you, were, I was distracted because I'm sitting there being like, who is this? I had to look it up. It's like, oh, it's mm-hmm. the, little, the little George kid from Dunkirk. Really? We're doing this? <laughs> but it's like he's laughing, and I'm sitting there I'm like, do we need to do this? Do we need to dangle the Joker carrot? And isn't Joaquin Phoenix the Joker we just saw literally like a year or two ago? What are we doing? Different universe. What Sorry, different universe. Oh, is, yeah. it, is that – It's just it bothers me. We didn't need to do it. We didn't need to do it. It's we already have – the, ca- the dangling carrot of penguin. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. know what the, the we got villains to go after. I don't know. It's an issue. Yeah, it was quite easily my least favorite part of the movie, like by far. Um, it felt like the studio wanted it in type of thing. It had to be. It right? had to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I could have lived without it, but I mean, yeah. You know, if that's the worst part of the it, movie, but that's that the thing. These qualms are these quibbles are tiny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so Brett brings up a good point here in the comments too. There are so, there's a wealth of villains to draw from in the comics. Endless. Give us, Endless give, I know Joker's the most iconic of all the Batman villains. Well, I get it. He's yeah, the he's number one baddie. I get it. Yeah. But you've got to know we have Joker fatigue. Give us someone else. Okay. Just give us a new one. I, well, maybe one I haven't even heard of. Like just something else. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, what I liked. That's what I really appreciated the Riddler and oh, uh, gosh. Paul Dano's performance as Riddler. Because he could have very easily just done his version of the Joker and called it the Riddler. Oh, yeah, sure. And that yeah. is not there's a, there's what There's overlap. Got. Yeah. Yeah. But so, exactly. So there's a lot. There is things that they can borrow from the Joker. Um, but I think that's not what we got here. I think no. we got... His, his own unique take on the character. Totally. Not like Jim Carrey's Riddler, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's certainly <laughs> a, not like the Joker. This was not a Joel Schumacher film. Uh, no. Rest no. In but I love Jim Carrey's Joker. Oh, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's be fair. I, dude, I still I have love in my heart, even though my mind knows that Batman Forever is a terrible movie. I want to watch it again. I haven't seen it in many, oh, many years. Oh, it's not good. But as a kid, it was excellent. I mean, it's all I wanted at the time, which was perfect. I was the audience, yeah. and it was great. Um, but this is this is the new clubhouse leader. I mean, Batman Begins was my favorite before. Uh, probably closely followed by uh, Dark Knight. Um, but man, this is it. This is what I, I, I honestly I would love. You know, so my I mentioned okay. So my quibbles are few, right? Bruce Wayne, it was fine. Didn't thankfully it was not in the movie very much, so it wasn't ever like I, I was never really bothered by it. It just wasn't one of the strengths of the film for me. Obviously, a little Joker scene, a little minor quibble, and then the length. But I realized that they had so much material to go through. But I would love, I would watch a, a streaming show of just the detective portions of mm-hmm. Batman with Gordon solving crimes that, like, maybe aren't attached to the Wayne family. 
you know, like even just like normal crimes in the city that are sure. happening that don't have to be connected to him. Sure. I realize this is a movie, so you have to be a little bit, you have to connect it to the family. You ha- it has to be all encompassing. It has to stand yeah. alone to a degree, and that's fine. But man, I would love, 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 love a dark mystery detective thriller series, one hour installments of just different cases of Jim, that Jim Gordon and the Batman are working on. That, I mean, that is, oh, that's my dream. Uh, and this showed me what that could be. And that excites me uh, because this was, it was thrilling, man. It was thrilling. It was so refreshing. And I mean, again, I had high expectations, but they weren't high enough apparently because uh, they, I mean, there's just nothing more I can say about how much I love this movie. Um, other than I'll probably see it again in the theaters to be yeah. honest before, before it leaves, just because I love the experience of actually going and again, sitting in front of a giant screen and watching this all play out, larger than life characters on the larger than life screen. Like, what more could you ask for, right? So, yeah, yeah I just loved it. Well, I did too. I, yeah. I even, I even loved after the first uh, Catwoman and, and Batman kiss. Um, you got a voiceover from Thomas Wayne saying, "My name is Thomas Wayne, and I approve this message." Oh my god! <laughs> so fu- again, that's like the underrated funny, uh, funny parts of this movie. I know. It's like that was intentional, bit. right? Like that. Yes, I mean, is that sure wow? Is. Yeah. Wow, from the grave, Dad's like, thumbs up, son, thumbs <laughs> <Good> up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, there's just, I really want to just go back and uh, focus on the actual dialogue in this movie because it's not really a dialogue-heavy movie per se, yeah, but I yeah. think that there's some smart, smart stuff there. Um, and I think I, I think on my next viewing, I will try to focus on particularly... Um, how Reeves writes dialogue. Um, mm. Was he a writer think, on this? Yeah, he co-wrote it. Oh, okay. Matt Reeves I didn't co-wrote it. That. Uh, yeah, and I think moving forward, um, gosh, I really hope they do let him make all three because he does want to make a trilogy. Oh. Um, oh, okay. The the opening box office was not as big as we all hoped. They're Made saying a, they're I mean, saying it was the big. I mean, it's the biggest for Warner Brothers in the pandemic. Sure, it's 128 million projected. They said it could, they, yeah. they had projected between 120 and 150, and it was 128, right? So it was in so the projection. on the lower end. On the lower it's end. on the lower right. end, yeah. Um, so I think we're probably going to get at least a sequel uh, out of yes, this. Yes, I think but certainly. So, so yeah. my fear, ultimately what my fear is that um, it's not, it doesn't have the widespread appeal that, say, a Marvel MCU movie has, where yes. I think <laughs> the MCU, you know, I've said it many, many Fuck times him. before. I am, yeah. I am not the biggest fan of the yeah, MCU Yeah, I know you're not. I'm a bigger fan, but yeah, it's optimistic. And, it's bright. Yeah, it, and it's very. It's uh, there's huge appeal factor. I'm in the minority oh, yeah. here, and I will recognize that. Obviously, the world loves these movies. I personally do not. Um, so that makes me a little more concerned when something that I do particularly love, yeah. like this Batman, <laughs> yeah, doesn't do as big a box office as um, they had potentially hoped it would. Right. Uh, again, by no means is 128 million domestically over weekend in the sneeze app, but this movie has to make a billion dollars, or it's going to be considered. Well, it makes me. Well, so. I wonder if the runtime is part of the problem, but also yes, my, my sister absolutely. called me saying, "Hey, is this one I take my kids to?" Yeah, and I said, "No, it's not for the, kids." She's like, "What about the her oldest is 14?" And I said, "Yeah, me, yeah, I think it'd be fine for him, but the younger ones, no." It's Which not is for weird because I'm like PG-13. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. like as, long, as soon as a kid can watch movies, I think PG-13 is fine. Uh, <laughs> obviously, yeah. I don't have kids, so because I don't, you know, like uh, any parents probably like, yeah, that's not how it works. Kids get freaked out by things pretty easily. Um, but I honestly was like, yeah, I don't. This is too dark. 
for children. It's just yeah. too dark. It really is. And I think that's going to hurt. I think that's part of why the box office might not be uh, as big as... 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully, you know, the suits understand um, that this does not have the kid appeal that it's going to require to make huge MCU money. Obviously, right. they didn't expect it to make anything near what Spider-Man made. Um, but, you know, Spider-Man's a good movie. But again, it is not in the... As far as I'm concerned, it is not in the same class of, of film as the Batman, which is crazy for me to say because it is a comic book movie. I am not the biggest comic book movie fans, and I'm telling you, the Batman is just a fine film, regardless of how, you know, oh, what yeah. they call it, comic book movie, a genre movie, film noir, whatever you want to call it. All of it. This movie is just, it, I'm going to say it right now, this movie is a masterpiece. Whoa, it a there it is. Ding, 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 ding. The M word has been used. Masterpiece. The Batman is a modern masterpiece. I don't yeah, care what anyone it says. It is. I'm with you. It is. It's a modern masterpiece. It really is. And it was funny because I did. I would not have said that on viewing one. I loved it on viewing one. Mm-hmm. It was viewing two when I realized how strong all the elements are together. How well That's thought it. out it is. And how it's yeah. like, oh, okay, whoa. It's. I think you're. I think you're exactly right. Yep. Modern yeah. masterpiece. And that's what it takes, like to make to make a true film that transcends um, just even you know the highest praise. Because if you're going to call something like a masterpiece, we're talking about like it has to have a spot in the in the timeless sense of a film. And of course, this movie is uh, created in 2022, um, so of course there's modern elements to it where you know it's different than anything that's come over the last hundred years of filmmaking. But I think ultimately this movie is timeless, and I'm gonna say it now it's going to be remembered as the best comic book movie, bar none. Wow, wow. do you, you think the public will think that, like, or like the critical? Critic, or, critically, yeah, critically, I think it's gonna be remembered as the best. Yeah, because it, it's getting good, re- like strong reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but in the '80s, not great. Good, yeah. like very good, but not yeah. great, which is mm-hmm. fascinating. Uh, the the. The public's rate. I'll be curious to see. Yeah, I think you're right. Though. I think it will be remembered. Now, we talked about all of the elements that we loved about this. If I'm gonna, if if there's one thing I had to pick as being the most eternal, masterful, that will stand the test of time, it's the score. If I had Beautiful. to pick one element, that score will be talked about, will be played, yeah, will be referenced, will be. I mean. There's going to be versions of it. There's going to be, people will be learning learning that on the piano. There's going to be riffs on it. There's going to be other films that will have scores that are very clearly inspired by it. Not to say that this doesn't have some derivative elements. Like there's, you know, I've heard some people say it sounds like the Imperial March too much or that, it, you know, but it's, you know, it's not a complicated score, but it, and it's, but it's incredibly appropriate, incredibly imposing, loud. It's a character, mm-hmm. but you've got like this, the loud theme to the, the quiet moments to the mm-hmm. ticking kind of it's very that's very Nolan-esque actually or I guess Hans Zimmer I should say who, who scored the Nolan films but mm-hmm. um, Michael Giacano who scored this film I, I can't sing the praises enough and it was even more so on the second viewing I'm just like this this score is a masterpiece for it's sure it's beautiful it's uh, absolutely it's beautiful it's incredible I mean I just think that it's one of the I mean it's rare that I feel that way after even just the first viewing of something sometimes I watch a movie a couple times for me to really let the score sit in with this one it's like even from the jump, I was like, okay, well, I see you flexing, Chicano. I, <laughs> I mean, this is incredible. It truly so. did. And, and, you know, the score is perfect. I would say you couldn't ask for anything better. No. But then also just the musical choices yes, throughout. The soundtrack are itself. Special. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 
the scenes, anything involving the Riddler, you have the Ave Maria playing oh, in the yeah. background. It's so good. It's, it's so haunting. good. It's so good. It's haunting. Um, oh, man. Love it. Yeah. Well, we've gone under an hour and t- I was 120 minutes. An hour and 20. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts? Any other highlights you want to hit? Anything we didn't hit that you that stuck man. out to you, you wanted to touch on? There's, it's hard I mean, to say. I, mean, I knew this was going to be a long pod because of how long the movie is, but... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to like heap any more praise on this thing. It's just, yeah. it's by far my favorite movie of the year, not even close to anything else. It's probably my favorite movie in several years. It's just Whoa, so entertaining yeah. and, and enjoyable. Oh, gosh, it's so and, um, and I kind of dislike the fact that I enjoyed this comic book movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like your upset about how I'm much betraying. you liked it. That's great. I'm betraying myself. <laughs> oh, um, that's great. Because now I'm one of you guys. So it's fine. I'll, I'll own up to it. This is a great movie. It's a great movie. I you said a it. modern masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. It'll stand the test of time. I, I think yeah. absolutely. Um, man, this thing's going to age so well. I think I, it, I think it is. Wait. I really do. Re- no, so. absolutely it will. Oh, I'm excited. I hope the sequel is a high bar for the sequels to follow. That's. Do you think we're going to get three? I, we're getting two for sure. Yeah. Um, will we get three? Not even Batman got three, unless you count the Snyder Cut. Or, sorry, uh, Ben Affleck. Not even Ben Affleck got yeah, three, unless no. you count the Snyder Cut. Well, uh, Ben Affleck's coming back. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Like, no. the new Flash no. movie. No. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. He filmed something for that, yeah. Yes, Different universe. Wow. Different universe. DC's and, a mess. Uh, well, they're doing multiverse, just like oh, the I hope MCU. So. I hope so. so. I hope so. That's what we need, is more multiverses. And then combine yes. them. Yeah. We're getting that, right? We're getting the DC Marvel. I mean, that's happening. So. Well, that's, it's happening in the comic books, so yeah, yeah it's going so to it's happen. it's happening in real life, for sure. There's too much money it's to be happen. made for them yes. to not figure out a way to make it happen, yes. as Sony and Marvel and Disney figure yeah. it out. All right. Well, there you have it. The Batman. We, Hell of a movie. Yeah, we, <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a movie we've recommended more strongly in recent history than this. So it's go been see a while. It. If you've been listening, yeah. you should have seen it because we spoiled it very much. <laughs> So I don't even need to say go see it. I would it. hope so. Go see it a second time. Yeah. Um, but if anyone out there happened to listen to this and was okay with spoilers, please go see this movie. Hope that we persuaded you to go do it. But anyway, is that it, Aaron? That's it. Now, can we get, uh, can we get, can, can we go out on your rendition of Ave Maria? <laughs> and then let's just no. close out with that. No, you cannot. Um, oh, man. I'll give you the theme. Bum, 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 <laughs> bum, 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 You know what's funny? Bum. Like, just one quick thing. Um, there, so at the end, again, when yeah. Riddler is talking to Batman in the, in the cell, and he starts singing the Ave Maria. Mm. And you can tell that Paul Dano does not know the words to Ave Maria. Sure because he's, <laughs> he just he starts saying other things. He just sounds like. Yep, yep. <laughs> Which I think I is true to the Riddler. Funny. I feel like he probably doesn't, sure. you know, I like that. Sure. I like that but he was, he was in the choir, so he at one point he knew oh, the words. Oh, you're right. He was yeah. in the choir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. Great movie. The Batman. We'll it be won't back. be the last time we're talking week. about that movie uh, on a podcast. I feel Shoot, like. man. We might do another one. That, we um, might do a second Batman. Halfway through this yeah, week. Yeah, we might yeah. do one. We really might. But in the meantime, appreciate it. Have Absolutely. a good night. Till next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. 